Hi, Mage of the Podcast fans. This is your host, Terry Robinson, and today we are talking with prodigious publisher of Storyteller Vault supplements, creators of incredibly useful doorstops and other supplements for Mage the Ascension, Charles Siegel, who is a walking, talking, living, breathing expert on today's topic, the beautiful mess and glorious cluster fart that was Demon the Fallen and how to run Crossover Chronicles between the two systems. Charles, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm spectacular. This is the second episode I recorded today. The first one was on V2.5 version of the Euthanatos book. Adam, my co-host, says Euthanatos, and it is slowly infecting my brain. Despite saying Euthanatos for literally the past 25 years, it's slowly flipping over and it has me slightly concerned. I also tore out my shoulder a little bit earlier, moving props for a opera i am helping doing backstage work but otherwise can't complain so demon the fallen what what is it as a system so in some sense demon hits certain notes from all five of the core world of darkness systems you have the virtues that cover morality and the idea that inside there's something horrible from vampire you've got transformations like in changeling You've got bending reality from mage. You've got other layers of existence from changeling. And you've got a spirit in a human body like you can do in Wraith. Well, how about that? That seems like a big old roll-up. Where in the old world of darkness systems did demon come out? So demon came out right at the end. It was the last titled game. And it was really inextricably tied to the end of the world of darkness. So what is a demon then, as pertains to Demon the Fallen? Though the world of darkness likes to pretend it isn't, it is actually very much founded on certain very Christian mythologies. You can see this with Vampire and Cain, and Demon doubles down. Demon is Paradise Lost the game. And in it, what are you playing when you play the so game? Demon basically starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Okay, that's. And, I feel like I've heard that line before. Okay, go on. Specifically, God creates angels. Angels go about the actual work of creating the world for various reason, reasons. God doesn't do it directly. And then they create humanity, and then God give, gives them two commands, which are mutually exclusive. World of darkness, God is a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> what are the commands that they're given? First is to love humanity like they love God. And second is to never reveal themselves to humanity. Does the game ever give you an explanation of the origin of that second command? Because I can no. see how these two can really, really run into one another. It does not. In fact, any time an angel goes to approach God to ask what's up with that, poof, they're gone. They're never seen or heard from again. This tension naturally leads to problems where the angels are getting more, more and more frustrated about not being able to visibly help humanity out and doing things in the shadows until one of them sees some bad stuff coming in the future but isn't sure what. And then they have a decision to make. And led by Lucifer, they a significant number of them, uh, about a third, reveal themselves to humanity, give them gifts directly, hoping to kind of snap humanity out of its almost animal state and into something that could handle whatever problem is coming. As a mage player, I can't help but look at this as the first awakening. Okay. So the angels reveal themselves. There's this big thing on the horizon. How does 
God and the other two-thirds of the angels respond to that revelation. They're not happy, to put it mildly. The end result is that the angels who revealed themselves to humanity are declared to be demons. They're given new insulting names. And humanity is cursed in various ways for basically siding with the ones that they actually met. And then there's a war. Okay, so it goes curses, then war, not war, then curses. Yeah, the, the the curses are kind of the first blow of the war. Oh, okay. Got it. Humanity splits, and, and angels and demons fight across creation. Well, how about that? What did the yeah. angels teach humanity? Like, what kind of things are we talking here? It is left a little bit vague, but it's, it is somewhat implied. Things like morality, magic, language. The, the angels who then become demons basically ran an uplift project on humanity. Like they, were, they saw humanity had this huge potential. They had, the, humanity has the spark of the divine inside of them, which again, because this is Mage Crossover, I also cannot help but interpret that as being a pointer at the Avatar. But that humanity is doing nothing with it. Because humanity doesn't know that there's anything to do. So over the course of the war, magic and technology both rise, things like that. And then, of course, at some point during it, Cain kills Abel and the entire world breaks. Oh, interesting. So the the Cain and Abel story or legend or myth or event takes place within that framework. It is not afterwards or anything? Oh, yeah. Before that, the war is very abstract. Uh, the thing about the angels and demons and the way that what, that the authors tried to get around just saying, well, the backstory is Paradise Lost, was that they said reality has many layers, and on each layer, some version of things is true, but they're all metaphors for each other. So on one layer, they're fighting with flaming swords. On another, they are point and counterpoint in a melody. On, an, on another, they're scientific laws and tension, things like that. So that all histories are true. That's interesting because that's one of the few direct nods to the fractured cosmos that back then everything was kind of a bunch of things at once. And that in olden times, Cain and Abel and Ixion were the same thing, but only over time did they separate. And I think we get that in Ascension when the, the knife of Ixion and the Pasupata Astra are revealed to be the same thing. Yeah, I often refer to demon as being basically made for crossover, and you can kind of see how the backstory ties into everything. So we have this war, the rebellion is quashed. And then yeah, what happens? So, so, th- so things get really nasty after Cain. Then the rebellion is quashed and the demons are sent. Well, they're sent directly to hell. They do not pass go. They do not collect $200. They instead just their prize is that they get to walk proudly into a void absent of everything except for each other. Oh, and Lucifer didn't end up. And they're kind of baffled and upset about that. OK, so in this world, Lucifer is also the leader of the rebellion then. Are there other key angels or demons that we may know from the rest of the World of Darkness or from world literature or from tradition that are also in the game? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about how for a lot of the really original characters, there is some impressive butchering of Hebrew and other languages to make up their names. But Lucifer has devised the demons into several legions. Each legion has a leader, and those leaders are, are like, they're Belial, they're Azrael. Basically, hmm. unless you are deep into demonology or angelology, if you have heard of a demon, they're a high-ranking demon in Lucifer's army. If you've heard of an angel, they were a high-ranking angel on the side of God. Got it. Is there a hierarchy of angels in the game? Is that there, is that taken to? So that there is a hierarchy, yes. 
the hierarchy in the game, to the best of my ability to tell, bears no resemblance to Jewish, Christian, or Hermetic hierarchies. And the hierarchy within the de- the army of demons was a lot more flexible because once you're rebelling against the, against divine mandate, rebelling against divine rankings is kind of easy. Huh, that kind of makes sense. So the rebellion occurs, the losers get cast out. What happens to humanity? And if you're playing something that has been banished to the void, I guess at some point they got out? How'd that happen? So from there... The demons don't know what happened, but Lucifer disappears, isn't in hell with the rest of them. Then humanity just develops. History happens. And then, as I like to put it, some stupid void engineer drops a relic nuke on Enoch at the same time that the Ravnos Antediluvian is being fought on the surface, and the entire universe breaks again. Point of information, Xerxes Jones ignited a spirit nuke on the mouth of Oblivion, it was the forces oh, of Stygia that dropped it over Enoch, which has been ah. described to me as the most satisfying moment in that author's career when he got to just blow up the Tal Mahi Ra. Uh, I, I apologize. I had misremembered. Not a problem. <laughs> Woo, uh, the sole thing I've added. The point is, you've got multiple spirit nukes going off. You've got nukes on the surface. You've got an antediluvian vampire. The universe kind of strains under that kind of load. And at that point, hell breaks open. Uh, but just a crack just a crack okay and things are able to get out so the way it's put forward is the crack is thin only the weakest of demons can actually get out and the pull of hell is still strong on them so they have to find ways to bind themselves to earth in order to stay and the way that most of these demons do it is they find someone who for any number of reasons has no soul or their soul is weak or whatnot and they kind of displace them from their body and possess it taking their memories their identity and well the memories are actually really key because hell has been kind of miserable demons have a stat called torment which amounts to how much misery and pain are they in and how much misery and pain are they going to be producing And the only reason that torments for new characters start out reasonable instead of like right at that 10 mark that ends the game that ends the game for a character is that when they take a human body, they get to experience all the good things about humanity, too. So is that stat kind of like is there an analogous one in major and other system? Is it kind of like banality and changeling? It's kind of like um, the inverse of humanity in Vampire. Okay, it's a bit more involved. So. When a demon uses their powers, which we'll talk about in a minute, if their torment is higher than, um, I don't remember if it's higher than their willpower, some sort of uh, willpower versus torment uh, comparison, Okay. then each power has two versions, the regular version and the high torment version. A low torment demon can use either, but they gain torment if they use the high torment version, whereas a high torment demon can only use the high torment one, which is generally a destructive version of the first. So one of the houses of the fallen has a power that lets you heal people. If you use the high torment version, then you give them all sorts of nasty diseases, things like biblical version of leprosy, as opposed to the you know real version. That are striking down armadillos left and right in the American Southwest. Yeah, uh, we're, we're talking about your arm might fall off kind of leprosy. Yeah, yep. I I like the descriptor of biblical leprosy. Now, so we don't know where Lucifer is. We 
don't know the 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 weakest of the angels were able to make it out are there any other angels or descendant of angels running around creation because we have the term demon and that means a bunch of things and when you say something like asmodeus or something like that entity is worshipped same thing with abaddon are they running around anywhere or what what's up with them so one of the things in demon that i have more mixed opinions of okay is that so the good part is the setup there's a type of demon called earthbound where instead of binding themselves to a human they bind themselves to an object or a place okay the downside of this is that there's no torment mitigation that humans give oh so they're pissed these are the epitome of the uh, hurt people hurt people thing they are damaged by the war they are damaged uh they're damaged from their time in hell and now they have very different priorities than they did before. Now their priorities are things like obtain worshipers, gain power, crush all com- all competitors, conquer humanity, maybe kill God and become God for the more ambitious ones. And in the demon backstory, the part that I'm not a huge fan of, these earthbound, so the biggest earthbound were summoned by, by mages and bound Oops. to objects. Demon is built for crossover. I can't reiterate this enough. Okay. They're summoned by mages, and actually it's even pointed out that the first mages who learned to summon demons got that skill from Lucifer himself, who's on Earth the whole time. And the demons become Earthbound, and then they start building religions around them and building empires and trying to conquer each other. So a lot of historical religions and empires are kind of associated with specific demons, and I'm not really psyched about saying Oh, the Assyrians were evil. Okay, or at least were being influenced by this incredibly potent, malevolent power. Yeah, I think they might have gone a little bit too far in the conspiratorial history direction. Got it. But on the other hand, I'm a mage player. I like humanity being in charge of its own shit. Mm-hmm. So you made mention of the fact that so these things are are summoned. They're super angry. They have various motives. They're accumulating worshippers. Now, like traditional, quote unquote, demons who are trying to consume souls, is there are demons and demon the fallen or these earthbound entities trying to accumulate human souls? Or is there another resource that humanity provides that they're looking for? So now we're getting into the question of in the world of darkness, what is the soul? And I'm going to ignore that completely for game mechanics. Okay. So both humans and demons have a stat faith, which is handled differently for each of them. For a human, faith indicates, well, how much faith they have and can put out into the world. So assuming that you believe believe what people say, what people say about themse- themselves, you know, the examples are things like five faith, which is the maximum a human can get to, are reserved for people like the Pope or saints or the like, whereas the average person has like two. Is this different Demon- than the true faith stat? It is and it isn't. Demon does have like one sidebar in a, about true faith. A character with true faith has a high faith stat. Other than that, don't tie them together too closely. Probably true faith is absolutely capped at the faith rating of the character. But if a character has a faith rating of one, they're not going to have true faith. Yeah, because from what I understand, true faith is exceedingly rare, and even having one dot in it is relatively rare with only the most saintly really going much above that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually used true faith in a game. Now, now, stupid question. You mentioned faith. Is this? Does it need to be strictly religious? Do, do technocrats produce faith or have faith? What, what would? Is it like blood in vampire, or is it more like a background? I would put it more akin to willpower than to blood or a background. Okay. 
it, it is a trait of a human that can be raised, that can go up or down, but usually only under extreme circumstances. Okay. As far as faith in what? As written, it is pointing strongly in the direction of religious faith. I've played Demon with several different groups of people, and in all of them as played, it's faith in anything higher than themselves. Okay, so your technocrat will reasonably, who your your member of Project Invis, Invictus or what have you, or your utopian, will, will genuinely believe that they are working towards the betterment of humanity through the technocratic union. They will have oh, faith. Your faith doesn't need to be in something good. Oh, okay. So um, a nefondus can generate faith. Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll let's talk. Should we uh, hold off on talking about Nefandi and the Earthbound, or should we do that right now? Let's talk about any open-ended relationships, I guess, between demons and mages or other world of darkness. And then maybe we talk about how angels okay. in the game compare to angels in, in world beliefs. So normal demons and earthbound actually mechanically function very differently with respect to humans and faith. Like demons in human bodies form pacts with humans that are then called thralls and that humans faith pool. So if you have faith two, that's two points. The demon can take up to half rounded down for themselves, so that would give them points of faith per day that they can use to fuel various powers. The rest of it can is then used to give the human something in exchange. So this is where Faustian bargains start showing up. These things can be superpowers based on, de on things the demon can do. They can be attribute points, ability points. In one game, the thing the character wanted most was that they were slowly going blind from you know, acute myopia. They got 20-20 vision. And in exchange, they proffered some of their faith. Does the person giving up the faith feel anything? They are now connected fundamentally to the demon. Uh, the demon can speak in their head. The demon can see through their eyes. But can um, the demon take them over? Like, is there anything yeah. like a blood bond? It's not like a blood bond. This person can say no to the demon, but it's probably not the best idea. So one thing that demons can do is... If their body is destroyed, they need to find a new one in a hurry. They can just occupy a thrall uh, without even, if I remember right, without even a roll. Whereas um, if they if they need to go find someone else, that can be tricky, or they and they could accidentally end up back in hell. So it, it's kind of risky for a thrall if they're if uh, to make a deal with a demon who's going to go into combat a lot. Noted. When a person makes this deal, do they know what they're making a deal with, and do they know what they're giving up? They might. They might not. The, the rules give a lot of room for demons to just straight up lie to you about what's going on. Uh, I think in some, some of the fiction in it has a demon who's making packs by convincing humans that they are, in fact, God. Uh, pardon me, the they being the demon or the they being yeah. the mortal? Okay. The demon. So they have this faith resource that they can slowly accumulate in exchange. The demon does something for them. And you were talking about how that interfaces with maybe what the Nefandi do. So the Earthbound can do this, but they don't get faith from it. They can only use the human's faith to improve the human. They get faith from rituals carried out by their cult. Oh, and these rituals okay. are generally nasty, nasty things. So I have, it in several games, taken the attitude of, so there's several divisions of of. Uh, you know, types of Nefandi, and then there's infernalists who aren't Nefandi, but the rest of the world thinks they are. Basically, the ty the types of various sorts of infernalists, Nefandic or not, I often treat as being as being people who have made deals with actual demon, the fallen demons, whether they summoned them up from hell to make a deal and then sent them back, 
or whether they met in Earthbound. And then the rituals that some Nefandi do that are, you know, really horrific act often dovetail nicely with what the what the Earthbound needs in order to gain faith. So we have a, a group of Infernalists or people that are doing rituals to feed their Earthbound thing. And in exchange, they are getting something from that. Sounds like a good way to introduce uh, an Earthbound into a Chronicle. Yeah, so the cult themselves don't actually directly get anything necessarily, but they're usually the pool that the Earthbound picks thralls from. Oh, okay. But what they have to be is believers, they have to believe in the Earthbound as their as their actual lord. So they're like the farm team. Yeah, they're they're true believers that haven't made it to the A game yet. Okay, got it. Uh, whereas a thrall, an infernalist thrall, could be someone who knows exactly what the demon is, even holds the demon in contempt, but is willing to make a deal. So that that's where your hermetics with hubris come in. You've made a couple of mentions to Demon the Fallen crossing over with with mage in that so lucifer was not banished for whatever reason gets a bunch of mortals to do these rituals to summon his lieutenants back they don't do it right or they don't realize that they need a mortal to stabilize the person dumps it into a reliquary and breaks everything so lucifer was expecting them to be how they were when he last saw them but they aren't they're truly and deeply monstrous and from then on, a lot of time is spent with Lucifer and the Earthbound moving against each other through proxies. Now, do any of the other Nightfolk get involved? The, so I, I would say they're often proxies. The backstory doesn't really talk much regarding them. And in fact, the, human, the humans are not, even, are not explicitly said to be mages. They're just uh, they could also be sorcerers or just ritualists of any sort. The rituals to summon a demon don't require an awakened avatar to pull off. Just you need to know the ritual and then do it. But the thing you really need is the true name of the demon. I imagine not a trivial thing to muster. No, but I, fortunately for those early infernalists, uh, Lucifer. They had Lucifer there, yeah. So demons' easiest point of contact with mage is the Order of Hermes because the hermetic paradigm and the way that demons work just mesh the emphasis of true names and the importance of keeping yours a secret and finding out those of your enemies things like that so with the importance of true names and naming is there is there a changeling crossover at all or do vampires get involved or or werewolves or any of the other vampire only gets involved on the very periphery in the books we mentioned kane and I, I believe that there's like there's a like a mention of vampiric um, infernalists, which I would guess are the Bali. Werewolf, I think, only gets mentioned like once as, an, as a potential antag- antagonist and things that are kind of already sworn to something else. So you're not going to get a very good pact out of them. I don't remember even one mention of ma- of uh, changeling, actually. As far as Wraith, the entirety of Wraith exists because of demons. Um <laughs> In, in what so, way? in one of the demon books, they make mention of a slayer. This is the house of demons that deals that are angels of death, who confusingly is named Sharon. This is not the Sharon from Wraith, and who built the Shadowlands. Well, how about that? Uh, during the during the war, as a place where the demon where the slayers could hide and where they could continue to watch over human souls even after they've died. So you have Charon, the creator of the dead, and then pardon me, the creator of the underworld, and then you have Charon, the overseer of the Western dead. Yeah, that, yeah. So one of them is a demon, and the other is a wraith, who is named for the demon. And apparently the demon must have inspired the Greek um, mythological figure, I, w- I would assume. Okay, well, 
get in there, Mycenae and culture. So if you if you want to run Wraith, Demon, Crossover, just make sure your demons are slayers. They have full access to the underworld. Well, that's useful. But oddly enough, demons have no access to the rest of the Umbra. Oh, interesting. So they, they despite being the creators of creation, as it were, they only seemingly have access to the uh, the mundane portions of it. The mundane portion and the underworld, and specifically hell, is located underneath Oblivion. It's there. So it's it's down there underneath. You have to fly, you, They had to go up through the underworld and back and back into reality. If you look through every demon power in all the books, there is no way whatsoever for them to enter the spirit wilds or the astral plane. Which kind of makes sense because they're from a time before those entities kind of split off. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting in that the Shadowlands are constructed to, to compared to the other two, which are felt or believed into existence, kind of. Or, pardon me, are populated by feeling and and thought forms. I would assume the lack of access to the spirit wilds is part of why there's not much mention of werewolves in the demon books. Hmm. Okay. So, but mages get everywhere. They're like sand from the beach. I think that's really why mages fill so many nice gaps in the demon in the demon books. Whereas wraiths are kind of confined to their place. Werewolves hang out in places the demons can't get to. Vampires by nature are kind of... It's hard for a vampire to really believe in something greater than, themsel- than themselves. Vampires tend to go a bit egotistical. Yeah, unless they're on a, a road or a path or something that is yeah. specifically using that to, to focus it. But that makes sense. Yeah, and, and you're not going to get into that level of detail in you know another game line's book. That makes sense. So we're... we're Whereas, again, mages have have some paradigm. They, they view the world in some way, and many of them view them as them as working themselves as working towards some ideal or a representative of some higher power. Okay, so it makes sense that they would uh, be able to get along with an angel or a demon in this case. I guess my two questions now are, are there angels, like the ones that didn't rebel? I guess, by definition, they wouldn't be around because that would violate the tenant, thou shalt not re- reveal thyself. Is that the case, or are there any are there any angels running around? As far as the demon books are concerned, no, there are not. They have looked everywhere in, they have looked everywhere that they can access and they have not found them. Meanwhile, in Mage, you're summoning demons from the high, you're summoning angels from the high umbra left and right if you're a hermetic. Are they the same? Who knows? <laughs> Story, okay. it, it's ne- it is not only never addressed, it is not entirely clear that um, the demon book, that the demon books are written with an awareness of angels from ma- from like as they appeared in th- say blood treachery. Interesting, because to me, if if they have the commandment, you can't reveal yourself. Then a hermetic would not be able to summon them unless either that restriction had been lifted or that was a loophole or something like that. Well, the- well, the restriction kind of fell by the wayside during the war because demons and angels were fighting alongside their human armies. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, so, like, the entire world watched Lucifer and Michael duel, for instance. So we got a big raging exception there. You made mention that the demons are collecting faith, and it fuels their powers. What do those look like? Demons are thematically extremely similar to mage- to mages. The way that demon powers work in character is they look at reality they assert that reality is different and reality changes, but they don't have paradox because they because they have narrower powers that are tied to their intrinsic nature from having created the damn thing. Damned used advisedly there. 
<laughs> is that similar to in the Chronicles of Darkness, where they're not necessarily using magic or anything like that, but they understand reality on a more fundamental basis, and they kind of know all the cracks and back doors, as it were, in, in, in the cosmic physics? Or... I guess a angel's power or a demon's power is coming from them or is it coming from something else? It's coming from them. They like, they had the power to create the universe. They have the power to recreate small pieces of it associated with their nature. Okay. Can you give a few examples of what those powerful, what those powers are? Like what are the disciplines as it were of demon? So there's seven houses of demons. Each of them has a theme. The one I know best because I had a, decently long-running PC uh, who was a scourge. These are demons of the wind. Their duty at the creation included things like they breathe the breath of life into living beings. So they have powers associated with winds, with travel, with healing. Okay, and how potent Uh, are these powers? Like werewolves out of the box can kind of uh, tear through just about anything. Vampires can get powerful very quickly. Mages are pretty potent with a certain degree of creativity. Wraiths are kind of meh in most cases. Like a, a, a fresh-out-of-the-box demon, uh, what kind of pain can they drop? If a fresh-out-of-the-box demon is looking for a fight, then whatever they're looking for a fight with had better be ready for them. They're on the higher end of the power scale because demons have what is called an apocalyptic form. And just the name of it tells you that this is going to be trouble. Uh-huh. So what's an apocalyptic form, Charles? So normally the demon walks around, they're in a human body, they just you know look like any other person. Their apocalyptic form is who they really are. And each apocalyptic form has four regular powers and four high torment powers that, again, high torment demons always have active. Low torment demons can turn on and off. And these powers can range from things like, I have more arms, so I get extra actions at no penalty, to they spread the miasma around them that causes bashing damage to anyone nearby automatically. Or because uh, we know in the world of darkness that if you run into something weird, the first thing you do is kill it with fire. Uh-huh. So devils, the kind of demon that Lucifer is, they tend to be fireproof. If you want to pick a fight, they'll uh, they'll be glad to pick it back. A starting werewolf and a starting devourer, that's the kind of demon that is associate that was associated with creating unintelligent animal animals and predate and pre- predator prey cycles, things like that. I don't know who I'd put money on if a new like get a Fenris Arun versus a brand new straight out of the pit devourer threw down and the fact that i'm not sure who to bet on tells you how powerful these things are and and from what you said even if the devourer dies if they have more than one thrall they get a second go seemingly in a way that the uh that the werewolf may not yeah you kill a werewolf it's dead you kill a demon even if you kill a demon and it doesn't have a thrall what happens is the demon self is released from the body and they have a cer- and they have to start making willpower rolls. When they start failing, they get pulled back to hell. But in the meantime, they can look for a new body that they can just claim. It sounds like they can keep coming back in a way that seemingly is only rivaled by mummy. Yeah, and one of the few ways to kill a demon for real is basically infernal diablery. Oh, interesting. So you devour if the if you're a demon and you run oh, into okay. another demon and you kick them out of their body and they're exposed, you can try to consume them. Okay. Uh, if you do that, you get all sorts of nice power boosts. You get access to some of their superpowers, and you get access to some of the, to a lot of their memories. And your generation is, goes down by one. <laughs> uh, your faith, might, your faith, your uh, permanent faith ranking might go up by one. And those memories are actually important. One of the things about demons is that 
Demons have memories that go thousands of years or millions of years, depending on which layer you're talking about. And they're trying to cram all that information into a human brain. It doesn't all fit. So a lot of demons don't remember very much about what happened before they were in hell or even while they were in hell. Uh, and there's a background that, that tells you how much you know. And if you want to try to remember something specific, it's not just intelligence is intelligence plus that background. It can be very, very fun to be the one demon who has a very high ranking of that background in a city because you know everyone better than they know themselves. Huh. So you've made mention that they have these powers. They are tied to what their role was in terms of their house at creation. How does that tie to the way that angels and demons have been uh, seen in world beliefs? So this is very much a a variant on the notion of angels and demons that comes to the modern world via a crossover between Judaism and Zoroastrianism, mostly familiar through Christianity and Islam in the modern world. While, While there are beings that we often in English call angels or demons in other traditions, they are nothing like these angels and demons. While most of the specifics don't fit any traditional beliefs, like traditional beliefs are that there are several different types of angels they have different jobs, and they have powers that are associated with those jobs. And, and if you invoke them in the correct way, whether it's paying respect or just summoning them and telling them what to do because you know their true name, those powers can be used in your favor. That's a super high-level, um, quick rundown of angelology, which is a, you know, a huge field of occultism, but we don't have time. As a shortstop, if someone is curious, how would you recommend that person look into this? So the first thing I'd say is you should pick a tradition. There are four major threads of angelology. I know almost nothing about Islamic angelology and demonology. Oh, I know a little bit about like about the jinn, but not much beyond that. Okay. Closely related but not the same are Jewish, Christian, and Hermetic angelology and demonology. It's actually quite important to remember that they are not the same. And often when there's crossover between them, it's often not great. Um, so your recommendation is to, is to take one and kind of run with it. So if you want to have the Yazata represent how, quote unquote, angels actually work in your game or you're curious about it and their fight against Araman and his demons, just kind of pick one and run with it rather than trying to make them all true or trying to figure out a way yeah. to make them work together. These different traditions don't even agree on how many archangels there are. You will find numbers ranging from there's only one archangel, the boss of the angels, to in some strains of Jewish thought, there's 10, one for each of the Sephirot, to the Jew- also Jewish thought, which is you know the one that I'm most familiar with. There are three because the Sephirot break into seven and three, and they represent those top three. And then in Christian thought, the three are often representative of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But Christians actually tend to prefer four archangels. And which four archangels varies from from commentator to commentator. It is a very complicated subject. And really, the best thing you can do is pick one thread and pull. You will eventually pick up some things about the other threads. But if you try to follow all of them, you really will end up Uh, more confused than you were before. Okay, that makes sense. I'm a fan of introducing Zoroastrianism 
as as the strain, so I tend to be familiar with the Yazada. In addition to that, there is a wonderful Scion supplement for Scion First Edition that is strictly on the Yazada, and that saved me a lot of lifting when I decided to introduce them, because you already had a storyteller system-esque method of adding them in. If anyone's curious, go online, get one on eBay for about 10 bucks, or get it on DriveThruRPG for probably also 10 bucks. So yeah, how I don't, I don't know uh, I don't know Zoroastrianism's versions terribly well. I, I only know the very highest level things, but my understanding is that the Zoroastrian uh, attitude has come forward more in Islamic angel and demonology than in Jewish or Christian. Okay, somewhat ge- familiar ge- geographic footprint on uh, yeah. on at least one side, so that makes yeah, sense. And, and of and of course, so these things interface with each other. So there there's influences in all directions. Okay. How good did the writers of the system do staying true to world traditions? Like if one were to look at this and say as as someone with a background in it and they were looking at it, how how well do you think they did trying to translate it to a storyteller game? They stayed very true to Paradise Lost. Okay. Okay. Paradise Lost is very clearly the proximate influence as far as how they handle other real world traditions. I have to say the low point of Demon was how badly they handled real-world traditions. Hmm. Noted. Uh, so, for instance, so I'm using the English names of the seven houses of demons because the names that are apparently the real names of the houses are often the names of historical gods and, and mythological creatures that were sacred to various peoples. Ah, uh, got it. So, like, maybe it's not the greatest move to... Uh, say that the house that you're calling the Defilers, their real name is Lamasu. Um, the, uh, the sacred Persian uh, defender yeah. of, of heaven. Got it. Yeah, that, that, that's maybe not the best name to give them. Yeah. And and on um, one level, it can be kind of neat to be like, oh, there's this common thread running behind it. But at the same time, it's it, it can be pretty ham-fisted or, or okay. clumsy if you don't do it well. Yeah, so, so right there, they can get away with it to a point because there's... Honestly, the readership is not going to contain many people who, who actually believe in the Lamasu. However, they trip up on Judaism quite a lot, like indicating that Lucifer took a special interest in, in the ancient Jews, which is all sorts of bad news to say. And as I mentioned, they say that a lot of ancient, ancient world empires and kingdoms were basically run by earthbound. The, as far as like cultural sensitivity and accuracy with real world traditions, Demon is a complete mess. But there's enough good stuff in the game that I don't want to chuck it out. I want to rewrite it. Okay. So, and that, that seems to fit. So stick with using English la- names. If you're going to ha- introduce these, pick a tradition and run with it so that it's internally cohesive. If I'm introducing Demon into my game, what are the themes that come along with that? So one of the things that does come that does come along with it, which is something to really think about seriously before you decide whether demons are correct about their origins. Remember, they don't remember it very well. If there are demons, then that does really point towards there was a, a creator who you created angels and demons and you and to a, to a sense the truth of the world of darkness is built around that conception if you bring demons into your game however most games probably don't care about the origins of the entire universe they care about what's happening right now in a mage game for instance demons showing up is probably going to be say validation of their beliefs for a chorister or an ali batin or a taftani for that matter 
they'll be met with kind of a shrug. Of course, they're around by a hermetic, and they'll be met. They'll be met with a shrug of disinterest from a virtual adept or an etherite, unless the demon is doing something that they care about. The technocracy might be a little bit less happy about them, just because the worldview that the technocracy has been pushing has often meshed well with philosophical materialism, and demons running around kind of throws a monkey wrench in philosophical materialism. Yeah, they're kind of the, the, the best embodiment that there are certainly multiple layers of reality, and there seems to be a cosmic solution to the interaction problem. But on the other hand, a technocrat will see a demon and probably not assume that it is in fact a fallen angel of the Lord. They'll probably think, oh, this is a weird thing, let's dissect it and figure out what it really is. And But you start slicing open and all you find is person. Yeah, but the void engineers know better. Okay. Noted. So, so those are ways that it's going to. Those are questions that come along with it. If I introduce wraith into a game, it is either going to probably be in the capacity of memory or death or despair or horror. Is there a certain type of chronicle that you feel best has demons added to it? Do you think they fit well into a high cosmic game? Is there room for them in a street level campaign? Uh, what kind of story arcs do you feel lend themselves to introducing demons? As far as that, demons kind of fit all up and down the chain, because whether you're running a high cosmic or a street-level game of mage, the fundamental nature of the game, in some sense, doesn't change. What you're doing with it changes. All the specifics change. But at the end of the day, mage is about people who find that they have the power to change reality to match what they want it to be. And demon is about beings who built reality showing up again after a long time being away as long as you use them as a nice as like a nice seasoning i'm not talking about like garlic that you just want more and more and more of but something that you want a subtle flavor from demons can honestly fit find their way into almost any mage game as long as they are going only to places where sleepers could get to dead or alive a demon could get to horizon by walking through a portal a demon can't get to horizon by walking there through the Umbra. So if you're if you're running a game on around the moons of Jupiter, don't expect to see a demon. But if you're running a game that's got a lot of master that's got a lot of masters running around the city of New York, then demons fit in just fine. The the biggest thing that they bring in are that if a demon shows up, you cannot escape questions of faith, of free will, of the price of power also which are also good themes for a mage game. Is it reasonable to have a chronicle that is mixed mage demon? And if so, what kind of plots would, would comport well with that? A lot depends then on what type of relationship you want the mages and the demons to have. Okay. If they're just you know a bunch of people who have gotten together because there is a problem and they need to deal with it, then it's no issue. The, the most natural plot in the world then is that the mages have tracked an infernalist of some sort and they start running into other minions of an earthbound. And the demons are obvious are also interested in dealing with this earthbound, and the two and the two groups have to join forces. Okay. That seems reasonable for a, a, a medium or a or a short length story. If and, you, yeah, if you're looking for mages and demons who are more closely bound, where maybe one or more of the mages are thralls to the demons, then your game's going to take a very different tone because the tradition hierarchies do not look kindly on infernalism. If they find out about your pact, you are marked as Barabbas and to be executed and possibly Gilgald if you are captured. 
So even though this may not be quite the same thing as demons and the packs aren't necessarily impacting the notion of the soul, mages aren't necessarily going to know the difference. You have this other thing that you've made an agreement from that is literally called a demon. People will not look kindly on that. Yeah. In fact, it is specifically one of the rules of the Code of Hermes not to do this. And the Order of Hermes, more than any other tradition, has a hierarchy that checks on you. So the Order of Hermes, so a hermetic character who makes a pact with a demon is going to keep that very quiet. Okay. But unlike uh, making a traditional demonic pact with investments and such, I am not branding my avatar or anything in this process. The way I would rule it as an ST, because the investments and the things you can get from a pact with a demon, the fallen demon, are actually quite similar, is that if you make a pact with a high torment demon, you get branded. If you make a pact with a low torment demon, you don't. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Keep in mind, if you summon up a demon from hell, you're dealing with a high torment demon. Okay. Pretty well by definition, because they don't have if the tempering with power. Earthbound, you're, earthbound, they generally have torment 10. For our listeners who are curious about the forms of these demonic investments and infernalism, what mage resources outline that? Is it the Book of Madness? Just, that? Yeah. So there's two books of madness and infernalism, the Path of Screams. And I don't know what the schedule is, but by the time this airs, there might even be Book of the Fallen. Yeah, I don't think Book of the Fallen will be out. But we do have the Book of Madness, the Book of Madness Revised, and Infernalism, the Path of Screams from Sorcerer's Crusade, is it? That uh... I'm currently embarking on a project to reread all of Mage, and I'm currently on Infernalism, the Path of Screams as we speak, actually. Huh. Well, how about that? I think we've covered how one would introduce a demon. When would a demon, besides... For the purpose of harvesting faith, do demons, it seems like demons know about mages. Are there cases where the players seemingly out of nowhere are going to be approached by a demon? Or do they have existing contacts, for instance, with the hermetics that if they need something? Like, it seems like, unlike most night folk, demons are actively aware that mages exist. Uh, so a specific demon, maybe, maybe not, but demons in general are actually general aware of the night folk as a whole. Uh, they may be baffled as to where werewolves came from, but demons as a society have run into them. Things like that. They're very much aware of vampires and mages, especially uh, vampire, mage and wraith, especially, though. One of the reasons that a demon that I keep saying that I say things like demon and uh, demon powers called uh, path, lore paths and and awakened magic are similar is that they feel the same to the awareness stat. Okay, so when you roll against it, it's going to both of them are going to produce the same, hey, there's something going on here. Yeah, so if a, so if a demon uses one of their powers and a mage is vaguely nearby, they get the same kind of heads up that they get if a mage had just had just done something and vice versa. So random encounters are quite easy if you want to do, if you want to introduce them in that way. As opposed to, so a changeling activating a cantrip won't necessarily trip it, a, a werewolf employing a gift won't, a vampire a applying a discipline may not, but a demon activating a lore is going to set off Mage Dark. Exactly, and a mage doing something feels just the same as a demon doing it to a demon. Interesting. So it, it sounds like we did a, a pretty good overview of demons, their system, how they relate to actual beliefs. If a ST wants to start introducing it. What's the first book or what are the first two books you think that person should grab to start jamming this in there? So I'm actually of the opinion that there are only three um, demon books that are worth reading. And they are? Demon the Fallen. Okay, the core rule book. Yep. Actually, I guess there's three and a half. 
Uh, there's about half of the book Earthbound is good. Okay. I want to say Storyteller's Guide to Demon or Demon Storyteller's Guide uh, has a lot of mechanics that go be that go beyond the core book as Storyteller Guides do, including ways for for groups of demons to combine their lore into bigger rituals that can do more diverse things, which also makes them a lot more like mages in many ways. Or Voltron, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm one of them that I actually bookmarked uh, to uh, bring up, though I don't have it in front of me because I didn't plan this very well, allows a demon to basically rewrite, rewrite the soul of a human, which, I don't know, as an ST, I would rule is a group of demons that knows this ritual and can pull it off. And it's a very difficult ritual to pull off. It requires that you be some of the most powerful demons on the planet can awaken someone. Oh, interesting. I was thinking the much more banal thing of helping you rewrite something like Dark Fate or or oh, change dots in, in destiny. Oh, that's in there too. Uh, I the the reason I would t- I would allow it to uh, grant an awakening is because that's my read of the demon's gifts to Adam and Eve. Mm, okay. That that the de- that the demons helped humanity the first humans awaken and that that and that I also kind of like the idea that there is one sort of thing in in the entire world of darkness that can just awaken you without breaking you in the process. Sorry, the other book is Houses of the Fallen, which goes into detail of each of the seven houses. Okay. There are no, I imagine, formal crossover books, although mages kind of littered throughout the, the system. Yeah, there, yeah. De- Demon had a very short run, being as I think Demon started in 2001 and The World of Darkness ended in 2003. I think Demon kept publishing through 2004, but uh, Demon had a very short run. There were no explicit crossover books. One of the reasons I like the Earthbound book is that there's a few places in there that just start screaming, oh, the technocracy, if they find out about them, are going to be at war with the Earthbound. The Earthbound make a point of eroding human systems. And the technocracy, uh, for good or ill, is all about building up complex systems for humans. There's also a lot of natural conflict points between mage factions and the antagonists of Demon, uh, as well as the protagonists of Demon, for that matter, because, as I said, they have laws against interacting with them. So it sounds like there are a bunch of crossover points, not only presuming tradition mages, but the technocrats can certainly have be at war with any of the earthbound or maybe some of their proxy agents. I imagine yeah. the crafts, any that that practice from a culture that has any sort of angelology or demonology may wind up running into these entities. So it's not just tradition mages. Oh, yeah, yeah. I lean to tradition mages because that's honestly what the majority of people play. Yeah. Again, whether you think the technocracy is an oppressive evil organization or misguided zealots either way one of their interests is in protecting humanity from everything else yeah you're not and, allowed to crush humanity that's our job yeah like, like even the worst versions of the of the technocracy think that they're doing it for the good of of mankind and if they see ancient monster preying on the, preying on the hopes and dreams of humanity for its own power acquisition to destroy the world the technocracy is going to nuke it so a demon chronicle, uh, for instance, would have the opportunity for regular demons to team up with technocrats who would have nothing to do with them normally in order to take down an Earthbound, just like the technocrats work with the traditions to deal with Nefandi. There are some things in the world of darkness that are so evil that even the, that, that Iteration X and the Order of Hermes will hold hands to fight them. It's the guy in the second movie that you know is the bad guy because the bad guy from the first movie is teamed up with the good guy from the first movie to take exactly. on the bad guy from the second movie. Yeah, exactly. 
the magneto uh, so effect. The crafts, um, and they live in society. So if their society is being preyed on by it by a demon of any sort, they they might run into it. They're mages, so that awareness ping happens, and and some of the crafts have more interactions with entities that are more likely to be impersonated by the demons than others. Before we start asking you what you're working on, do you have any other comments about your dive into demon or how you've used it in the past that you think our listeners should uh, know about? So one fun thing that I've considered doing but haven't actually got the players for is when I run mage games, often the world is different at the end of the mage game than before. I, I tend to run very large-scale th things. You'll often see things like the technocracy civil war in my games. Okay. You might see traditions disbanding or going off on their own or conventions flipping sides and so on. And this has knock-on effects on just mundane society that make no sense to an observer who doesn't know about mage. And one thing I've considered doing is, after running a mage game, taking the mage plot and having that be the background that a bunch of demons are dealing with their own things, but these things are all happening in parallel, and they can get hints because of that awareness and so on. And of course, one way to build one of these things, too, would be to some a big mage-demon crossover where the mages and the demons start running into each other's plots as they interfere with each other. It kind of uh, makes me think of uh, any number of movies where someone's tiptoeing through the darkness and runs into someone else also tiptoeing through the darkness, and they say, oh, excuse me, and then continue on their evil plans. Yeah, so, so the, mages are deal the mages are dealing with some specifically mage stuff. Maybe the technocracy is falling apart and threat knowledge is showing up on Earth. And then there's a demon who sees an, aut an autopolitan and just has to ask themselves, what the hell is that? Oh, dear. The autopolitans are the, no, uh, are the expressions of... They're what happens when iteration X, when iteration X turns into spirits. Their worst impulses are magnified, and they're given a few a few hundred years of development. Okay, thanks. I couldn't remember yeah. the 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 threat null mirror versions of things off the top of yeah, my that, head. Yeah, that, that's usually how I think of threat null. If you take if you take the essence of the convention, distill it down to an antagonist, and then give that antagonist several hundred years of compressed time to develop, what do you end up with? Hmm. You end up you and in the case of Iteration X, you end up with sentient with sentient machines of war, basically. Picturing someone who is there for creation, looking up and seeing and seeing something straight out of Autochthon, and just having to ask, what the hell is that and where did it come from? Yeah, to quote I.I. Rabbi, who ordered that? What else are you working on, Charles? Honestly, I'm working on too many things. <laughs> okay. What um, is I guess of those, what do you what do you most want to share with our audience? So I guess most in theme uh, for this episode is I am continuing to work on a book of basically how to play a Jewish mage character in the world of darkness, which does include a section on a sections on angels and demons in Jewish lore. And there will be things like sidebars for crossover, some of the weird, weird things that you find when you do deep delves into any uh, mythos. I'm also working on a couple of projects that are similar to my previous ones where I pick something that's scattered throughout all of the books and try to compile them and update them. At some point, I'm frustrated enough that the thing that Mage 20 uh, was originally planned to have that I wanted most, because this is my personal interests, was big collection of sub-factions, of methodologies, of houses of Hermes, etc. Despite getting three books that are already that are the size of a traditional mage core book and then the tome that is mage 20 this has still turned out to be a big enough project that it hasn't happened and it's not actually planned in anything at this moment so i'm taking matters into my own hands 
Now, is that going to be just a collection or are you going to be rolling them forward and proposing new groups? I haven't decided yet. I'm still in the early stages of collecting all of them and notes on where they appear and what they've done and so on. I will probably include optional rolling fo- rolling forward, but I also I also haven't decided how much space each one's going to get and that will I'm probably not going to put up put forward new groups in this because just like I didn't put forward new rotes or new wonders in Enlightened Grimoire Mystic Armory. Like books like this to me are they're almost community service. They're they're references of what was of what was in the however many mage books were published from 1993 to 2003. 90-something, I think, 80-something. It's it's up there. 70. 70? Yeah, if you include uh, Dark Ages and Sorcerer's Crusade, my total count I think is in the mid seventies. Are you are you including the uh, the novels? Uh, Mage had a, tr- oh, a no, no, the, the, trilogy. The, the, the it had trilogy such plus pain. the Ascension. It had, it had the Ascension book. It had a book in the Hunter sequence. I, I am not including the novels though. No. Okay, I, I'm also including all the quick starts and so on. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. So 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 that's probably why I have a count that's more like eighty something. Yeah. Um. Okay, so you're collecting the the Lockersmiths and the Utopians and the yeah. and Pomegranate Dime all in the same place. Yeah, yeah. I'm very very simple layout. The tr- first, the, you know, for chapter one traditions. Inside each tradition, there will be a, inside there will be a section for each tradition and a subsection for each faction. Okay. Uh, and, and and then and then the tr- the technocracy and then other uh, because. Although I don't remember the I don't remember the crafts being given very much in the way of sub factions. I need to reread the book of crafts. Like the Nefandi have a dizzying array of subgroups across the two books of madness and infernalism. I look forward to uh, to seeing that when it comes out. Uh, anything else of uh, of note that you care to share or? I don't want to say too much because right now I have thirty projects that are at least somewhat active, which is too many. Uh, some of them are going to end up shelved, and I don't know which ones yet, so I don't really want to promise things that I'm not going to. Like, for instance, I think last time I was on, I mentioned um, Celestial Spheres, a book of about the Shard and Shade Realms. Mm-hmm. From the Mage Facebook group, I have, I have learned that there have been in the past plans, and there may at some point in the future be plans for a book about the Ascension War and the Moons of Jupiter, which would cover a lot of the same ground. So I've kind of put that one on the back burner. And though I'm still fiddling with it, it's probably not coming out as soon as it would have if I hadn't known that, say, Satter has an interest if um, if everything lines up just right to do something with this, with similar material, when I have so many other projects I can work on also. Makes sense. With that, Charles, thank you so much for joining us today. If people are interested in giving us feedback, please send us an email at magethepodcast at gmail.com. Visit our grand spanking new webpage, magethepodcast.com. Joseph has done a wonderful job moving from a Tumblr blog to something that is a little more customized to our needs. Follow us on Twitter at at magethepodcast. Listen to us through the podcatcher of your choosing. Also on Spotify as well or directly from anchor.fm. If you like what we're doing, leave us a review. If you don't like what we're doing, lie and leave us a positive review anyway. Charles, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me.